Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. At this point, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to be reading verse 35 to 40. Um, We're continuing in our series, The Songs That We Sing. So we started with the Song of the Prophets, uh, and focusing particularly on the verse on Habakkuk. Last week, we looked at the blessing. Uh, This week, we're looking at the song, Just As I Am. And we're looking at that through the lens of John 3, verses 35 through 40, and particularly verse 37, uh, which the author of the song, the writer of the song, uh, attributes as the, the central motivation, that one of the central texts that they turn to in the writing of this. John chapter 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All whom the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's song, Just As I Am, is one of the most popular hymns of the last 100 years. Uh, It was written originally in 1834, uh, but a lot of people became more familiar with it, particularly in North America, through uh, Billy Graham's campaigns. This was often used as a song of response, this, this altar call sort of song, and it worked really well in that setting for people just to come as they are. Uh, And sometimes that's the setting that we understand this song, and we kind of forget or we aren't aware of the deeper story that came behind it. So today, I want to look back at the person who wrote these words. It was written by a person named Charlotte Elliott. She was born in the late 1700s in London to a fairly wealthy family, And she excelled in her studies. She she was able to afford kind of that higher education and became quite popular in younger circles for what's it's called humorous verse. Um, I don't know what that means. This was before TV, before the radio, I guess, and humorous verse, writing funny poems was like the way to be popular. Uh, She was very good at it. Uh, Something that also didn't really get full approval from her family. Uh, She was the granddaughter of one of the great revivalists of, um, what was it called, the Great Awakening in England. Uh, This was a time where many people were turning to God, and her brother, for example, became a preacher, 
and her penchant for humorous poems didn't, didn't get universal praise from her family. Um, and looking at her biographies, you can see uh, this was something that, that worked as a symbol for her. Uh, this changed how she was perceived as a person. She was constantly being told that some of her pursuits were not worthwhile, that, that she was wasting her time with these things. A major point in her life, a big shift came in her early 30s. At, at the age of 32, she became seriously ill, and she never recovered from it. This was getting sick in, in London in the 1800s. Uh, no modern medicine to help out. A time where consumption was coming through, and a time where people were often just termed as an invalid, never to recover. Uh, and that was the outcome for Charlotte Elliott, uh, never returning to full health for 50 years. Uh, so she lived till 82, uh, but throughout those 50 years, she was described as always battling sickness, feeling weak and frail and easily exhausted. And as you can imagine, getting this diagnosis and this sickness at the age of 32, this devastated her perception of herself. She was plagued with regret for not taking her healthy earlier years more seriously. She looked back on those years as perhaps wasted time. Uh, but not only that, there was this deeper issue that she struggled with, with her worth as a person. In that way, the, the world wasn't that much different than how it is now. Um, people have this tendency to base their self-worth based on their performance, based on what they can do, in their ability to stand out their crowd, in their achievements. Now, in the midst of dealing with this, uh, the, the family would, would invite preachers, people over to, to help her cope with it all. And one particular pastor came by and gave her a question, asking if she had thought of herself as a Christian. And she found this rather insulting. Um, not, we're not told exactly what she said, uh, but um, as she kicked, her out, uh, kicked the pastor out, uh, she obviously said something offensive because she wrote an apology to him a few days later. And when they continued in conversation, he pressed again on this question of whether or not she had fully turned to Christ. In this conversation, she confessed that she didn't feel like she could come to Jesus until she had got it figured out. She didn't feel like she was well enough put together. And his response was simply to come to Jesus as you are. This led to her conversion. Um, and after 15 years of those words reverberating within her, she ended up penning the words for just as I am. I want that to be something that we are aware of when we sing the, the context of this song. This, is, this comes out of 15 years of continual battling sickness and illness. This is not a song about getting better. This is not a song about experiencing only victory all the time. 
It's a song about the condition that we come to before God again and again. It's written after 15 years of battling an illness that would never go away. It's a song that professed her peace was not found in being healed so that God could accept her, but that she could come to God just as she is. This is about setting ourselves before Jesus just as we are. No pretense, no identity that we have built up, simply as we are with our wounds, with our frailty, with our pride and our selfishness and our regrets. We come. The Bible passage that prompted this, that inspired this, was John chapter 6, verse 37 in particular. All, who come to the fa- or all whom the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Uh, so Charlotte Elliott here focuses on the all and the never parts. All who the Father gives are never driven away. Uh, This passage ensures that we are aware uh, that it's not on our own strength that we come before God. That it's God drawing us. It's rooted in the Father's actions and begins with God. Uh, It reminds me of a, a teaching in the Reformed Church about God's grace wooing us to God. It's because God has revealed himself to us not because we're so clever that we figured out the way to salvation, but we come to God just as we are because it wasn't about our ability in the first place, but God drawing us. Uh, But the song focuses also on that second part in that verse, that all who come to Christ, he will never drive away. Jesus will not drive away the person that comes towards him. Uh, The the Jesus of the Gospels, we see when when he is confronted with people that come with their mess, that he brings healing. Jesus does not drive away the person whose guilt plagues them. Jesus doesn't demand that they need to have all their ducks in a row before coming to him. The invitation is for all to come to him with the assurance that Jesus would never drive her away, she begins the song with these words. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That the song begins with the familiar words, the same words that start each line, just as I am. These give these reminders that we don't need to bring anything extra, that Jesus can, can bring healing wherever you are. The only hope that she professes, her, her only plea, she says, is that Jesus died for her. The reason why she can come to Jesus just as she is is because it is what Jesus has done. She confesses here that she only relies on Jesus' blood shed for her, and that is enough. She doesn't need anything else. Question then, 
I want you to consider for yourselves is, is Jesus enough? As you look at John chapter 6 and the words of the song, are you in agreement that, that Jesus alone is enough? Or do you find yourself longing for more? Uh, Tish Harrison Warren asked this question in her book, uh, Prayer in the Night. Uh, this is a book that was just released this past year. I highly recommend it. Uh, she reflects on some of the reasons why we might not be okay to come before Jesus just as we are. That one of these reasons is that we secretly believe that Jesus is not enough. That we uh, secretly often want kind of Jesus plus. Jesus plus something else to help us out. She writes in her own life, if things didn't work out, if God seemed distant, if my plans crumbled, was Jesus still enough? Or was I instead seeking Jesus and success, Jesus and happiness, Jesus and a fruitful ministry? In other words, she was looking for a, a Jesus plus something. If she didn't have Jesus and the things that she wanted, was Jesus enough? Uh, the, the promise that we find in Scripture is, is not the promise that we find uh, that's often termed as the prosperity gospel, that we will prosper and get the things that we want if we just believe hard enough. The promise that we do get is, is God himself. I think the question she asks helps to reveal what can be at the core of our struggle. We often try to sneak our own desires into the deal. The question that we can consider then for first is, um, is Jesus enough? Now, obviously, Charlotte Elliott responds in the affirmation here. One of the letters that, she, um, that was written to her in the midst of this conversation, uh, the, the pastor finishes with this line. You need to stop trying to untie the knot, just cut the table, cable and turn to God. And that, that image has stuck with me, I think partly because I'm really bad at tying knots and I've spent a lot of time trying to untie things. Uh, but it gives also a good visual of, of what it is that we are often doing um, in coming before Christ. We, we feel like we need to do the work, that we need to untie the knot when really what is being asked to, is to cut the cable. What we miss is that we need to have this new foundation that is fully put in our trust in God. In the first part here then, we can kind of sum that up with the reflection, is Jesus enough? For the second part, I want to look at the other part in this passage that deals with belief and many a doubt. So looking at John chapter 6, we find that belief comes up several times. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You have seen me and still you do not believe and in the end, it comes up again. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. 
How we end up defining the word believe here is, is incredibly important. Often, the, the word believe can be confused with, with the word of certainty. Uh, sometimes we read passages like this, and we have the expectation that Christians need to be certain in their convictions, that, that we can never have any sort of doubts, no sort of questions before God. Um, eternal life in this view, especially when you get down to the bottom part of here, everyone who looks at the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, is based off of kind of how we feel at the moment, kind of a precarious position that many of us find ourselves in. Uh, but the, the word believe throughout Scripture and throughout the Christian tradition means much more than just a certainty. It goes beyond that to, beyond just a feeling to a certain conscious choice to commit yourself to something, despite questions and despite not knowing it all. So Charlotte Elliott's song grapples with continued doubts in the midst of belief. Uh, and let's take a look at that and how it looks in the second verse here. It says, just as I am, Though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. The, the song admits she's, she feels like she's just being tossed about, that the things that are tossing about are these many doubts that still linger. Uh, she's writing this 15 years into her journey with illness. The verse was always an important verse to me uh, because it gave an acknowledgement in worship that I can have internal conflict, that, that I can have doubt, and I don't have to set this aside on Sunday mornings to come before God, but it's part of what I come before God with. Uh, this acknowledgement of doubt, I think, is also particularly important because it's, it's increasingly part of our, our culture and, and our surroundings. Um, a, a professor from Calvin College by the name of uh, James K. Smith writes this, believing today doesn't come easy. We don't believe instead of doubting. We believe while doubting. And, and what he means by this is that, that believing today, in, in the year 2021, feels significantly different than believing, let's say, in the year 1400. If, if you put on a scale that big, belief means something different. We are in a different cultural condition than back then. Back 500 or 600 years ago, uh, virtually everybody in the Western world had some sort of belief system. Everyone believed in something, and there was no question to believe. There was, there was options still in what, but the choice was believe this or that. Uh, but since then, something has happened. Increasingly, there is an option of unbelief. And that means to be alive today is to be forced to choose between belief and unbelief. That there, there's always this choice that is presented before us. The mere presence of an option has introduced doubt at a new level. Uh, this is what leads someone like Smith to say, believing today doesn't come easy, 
We don't believe instead of doubting. We believe while doubting. Doubts in this context are not the opposite of belief, but the context of our belief. And this is an important piece for me uh, because I have felt at times that this pressure uh, to, to have some sort of stoic certainty along with belief. And more importantly, I've seen this pressure placed on friends who've turned away in their faith because they felt the questions that they had somehow disqualified them. They felt that they could not come before God until they had all their questions and doubts dealt with. They felt that they had to untie it all on their own. And this invitation to come before Christ with our doubts is something that we find in the Gospel of John, in the same passage that, or the same passage, the same Gospel book that we have been reflecting in. We might recall how Jesus responds to Thomas in the midst of his doubts later. Jesus does not call him to deny his doubt, but Jesus simply presents himself before Thomas. So Charlotte Elliott, writing this less than just under 200 years ago, is writing in a way as our contemporary, acknowledging the many doubts that we have to contend with. She articulates in her song what it means to come before God with all that she is, with her fears, with her doubts. So at this time, I, I want to invite the worship team forward. And in a moment, we're going to sing just as I am in response. And I invite you to bring special attention to the words and how they draw us into God's presence. That Jesus will not turn us away as we come before him. In the call to come just as you are, we are reminded that Jesus is enough. That we do not need Jesus plus. And we are also reminded that it's not up to us to untie the knot, that, that mess that sometimes we feel like we need to deal with ourselves, but we can cut the cable and simply come before God. So the invitation is, if you are in a place of regret, a place of feeling not enoughness, where you feel like you have to clean yourself up before you come to God, if you feel like you need to figure out your uncertainties and your questions, you're invited to do what the song asks, to come before God just as you are. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we confess that it is hard to come before you just as we are. That so often we want something extra out of our relationship with you. May we grow in our understanding that what you have done is enough. May we grow in our understanding of the cross, that it is more than sufficient for our salvation. Help us to shed the extra things that we demand to come alongside salvation, that we may understand that you are what we need. Thank you for the witness of those who have come before us, for people whom your spirit was active in guiding, for people who depend deeply on your word were able to put that into a song. Above all, we thank you for who you are. You are the God who has revealed yourself to us, 
that in showing your grace, we may come before you. And when we come before you, we are never turned away because of what you have done. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.